Welcome to the Understanding Jesus Podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Richards, and with me today is Mr. Josh Humphreys. Welcome, Josh. That's me. All right. I'm excited about what we've got to do today. We have some interesting things in the book of Numbers. Mm -hmm. There's all types of great stories in the book of Numbers. We talk about Balaam a little bit more, and uh, and also uh, there's uh, well, there's a lot of fascinating things in Numbers that we don't get a chance to talk about, yeah. but um, but maybe maybe another time, maybe next year. <laughs> um, but we spend some time in the Gospel of Mark talking about Jesus, talking about the end times. Then we go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and we see the pain and anguish that's taking place there, the failure of the disciples. We talk about uh, how that connects with Psalm 34, and then we deal with Psalm 35, and even take a moment to look in the Proverbs. We we covered. All today. We did. We so sure did. Hope you will stay with us on this edition of Understanding Jesus. We are getting ready to go over the passages of Scripture that really stood out to us uh, this week mm -hmm. in the reading. And uh, I'm going first. Yes, you are. So, anyway, I wanted to look at something from. Uh, Proverbs, actually. Hmm. Um, Proverbs uh, chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, um, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but one who hates correction is stupid. And I love that. One, just because the word stupid is in the Bible. I just, <laughs> and, you know, everybody says, stupid, don't, don't, don't call that person stupid. And it's like, oh, well, Solomon calls us stupid uh, and gets away with it. Um but the uh, but it is uh, I think being stupid is a is a is a is something we actually have to just con confess mm -hmm. um, that uh, we are we we make excuses for ourselves we say oh this happened or this this didn't go the way I wanted to but uh, when you uh, when you love discipline uh, and think of this in two ways one is the discipline is disciplining ourselves having a pattern in our lives where we are continually studying continually reading continually praying and working those things into our lives uh, it's kind of like the discipline of working out or exercise or eating correctly and and disciplining ourselves and so forth that's there's value in that there's also a discipline that comes from outside where someone who is um above us who we've submitted under their authority disciplines us when we stray out of a path and and i think the two are important to go together we um we are a people as a people we do not love discipline mm -hmm. we are looking for ways to get out of it and, and, and i think that uh you know i look back in my younger years i've tried to find ways not to be disciplined you know to escape discipline and and here the the, the writer of proverbs solomon is saying uh well you're stupid, uh, and it is. It is. A, it's not just a childish thing. It's a. It's a. When you try to avoid um, punishment, and I, not just punishment, but let me stick with discipline and chastisement. Uh, let's use the word chastisement. When I try to avoid being chastised, when I'm in trouble, when I've done something wrong, and there's somebody who then comes into my life and says, "Well, here's the penalty mm -hmm. or yeah. the <clears throat> predetermined set of uh, things we said we we're going to do when this goes wrong." Uh, and you are like, uh, how do I uh, run for this, avoid this, hide from this, escape this? Um, well, that's what stupidity is. Because when you are trying to avoid it, you're, you're saying, I don't want the thing that's going to help me correct my behavior. Yeah. Um, I just want to do bad things. I want to have bad behavior, and I want to get away with it. And, 
and some the moral crisis I think a lot of us face is is am I am I a good person because I'm afraid of discipline or am I a good person because I want to be a good person because I see value in that I see value in being a good person I see value in being like Christ I see value in walking with Christ or am I just walking with Christ or doing this because I don't want to go to hell I see hell as the ultimate discipline the ultimate punishment mm-hmm. so I don't want to do that I'm afraid I get in trouble so I'm going to um um, just a weird thought just popped in my head. It's like that's it's kind of like do you do you love the concept of hell? And 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 you think about it. Do I love the idea that there is a punishment for me if it drives me to Christ? If it if the concept of eternal punishment drives me to be closer to my lord do, do i then love that con the fact that that's there you know mm. for me not that i want to go there not that i love being there but I, but i love the fact that there is that because if there wasn't that then maybe i wouldn't yeah. do what's right i think there's a um, super interesting thing that i've been learning over the past uh probably since july this concept of being afraid of god versus versus fearing god mm. like um in genesis 3 Adam and Eve are afraid of God hmm. because they're like, oh, I sinned. Now I'm scared. And instead of like um, Isaiah in Isaiah 6, when he sees God for who he is, he says, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. And there's that fear, like right. a fear of God versus being afraid of him. Because I think in the afraid of God, you're like, I'm going to I'm gonna die and he's going to kill me. And right. But in the fear of God, it's like, whoa, this is God. Yeah. And there is eternal punishment. And I do deserve that. But because he's God, then like in Isaiah, when the angels come and they put a, hot, a burning coal on his lips, there's redemption. Like right. that fear of God drives us to love him even more when being afraid of God puts us like to shame us. And Satan toes that line super well. And he's like, hey, look, God's going to shame you and make you horrible. Right. But God's like, no, 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 no. I'm holy. I'm unlike anything else. And I want to redeem you. And that's kind of interesting how that works. Yeah, I I think that um, I think that a lot of times I um, it's not that I'm afraid of him, it's that I'm um, I'm afraid of that I'm uh, well, I'm trying to figure out how to put this. The <laughs> um, I want to, I'm afraid that I'm not who I think I am. I'm afraid mm-hmm. that I I that he that I I'm. A, I'm af- <laughs> I've become afraid of why I'm afraid uh, yeah. because of, it's like, why am I hiding from God yeah. or not wanting to come into his presence or why am I terrified that he's going to react wrongly to me? And it, it's yeah. more because it's like, do I, am I really not wanting what he wants? Am mm-hmm. I really not desiring to walk with him? Am I really mm-hmm. not desiring to go the direction he wants me to go? And, uh, and so it's, it's like a, uh, because I think we, we think that when you talk about, and I tell people this all the time. I tell myself this all the time. I don't have to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I, I think I want that taken away from me. I don't want to be given that option. I'm kind of terrified of, of, uh, of those weak moments of when I've well I've seen myself. Yeah. When I've had the opportunity, when I was very clear, this is what God wants me to do. If I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And I chose to do something else. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's like, well, do I really, do I not want what God mm-hmm. wants? You know, do I not desire what he desires me to do? And so forth. And, 
And the reminder here in like in Proverbs is just that I was just being stupid. Yeah. You know, it's just, it was, it's a moment. And, but you have, I think you have to own that. You have to you, own that. I, I was being stupid in that moment uh, because uh, that I haven't, I'm not thinking through the consequences of everything I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's so often we, we are trying to get somewhere and we're doing everything the wrong way to, to get to the place where we want to go. It's like, I want to be, I want to have more money. So I'm so, but then I'm being very wasteful in my spending. I don't want to follow a budget. You know, mm -hmm. let's do that as an example. Following a budget is a discipline. And, and sometimes people will go, Oh, I hate this. You know, you always use the budget. You always hurt me. It was well, like, if you hate the budget, uh, then you're stupid because yeah. the budget's just trying to, it's just your money trying to organize in such a way that you get to make the most of it. Yeah. And you're hating it because you, you're wanting to not do the things that you know you want to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and, uh, it's, it's really, it's frustrating that we even have to fight that battle, but I was just talking to someone about this same thing today. And I was talking about how in August, I like August, July, I was just like, identity was huge for me. And I, you know, I was the youth guy and I was the person who read their Bible every day. I was the guy who wrote curriculum Bible studies, ah, Josh Humphreys. And yet I was still struggling so much with who God was. And I was, I've been mad at him. I realized for like 10 plus years and yeah. that I was messed up and I'm jacked up. And I was talking to someone and I said to them, I learned about who I learned a lot about who I was when I learned a lot about who I wasn't. And it was like, whoa, that's crazy. Because I learned that I wasn't Josh Humphreys, who was this incredible holy yeah. roller, but that Josh Humphreys was actually broken and that there's a lot of hurt that he hasn't let God come into yeah. yet. And when I realized that, when I had that moment of I'm broken and that's okay because God, he wants you to see that you're broken because he's the one who fixes it, that changes things. And you begin yeah. to see, oh, okay, I'm not okay. And that's okay because God's, he's doing everything to redeem and put the pieces back together in the way that he does, not the way that I do. Because when right. I try to do it, it's like using Elmer's glue on a, you know, porcelain vase. Like it just doesn't work. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I think that we do learn about a lot about God when we see, I mean, that's what Isaiah did. He saw God for who he truly was. And he said, whoa, yeah, <laughs> I'm a man of unclean lips. Like, and it's okay to rest in that. Like, it's okay to be like, yep. I'm broken and I can't fix it. Yeah. And that's hard. Like that's, that's a gut punch, but it's a good gut punch. It, it fixes itself yeah. or he fixes it. But yeah. 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 It is. It's, I struggle. I struggle with, um, I think the struggle with God comes from why, why did you put me in a situation where you know I'm going to fail? And, mm -hmm. and then, and then now it's like, there's this expectation to, succeed but you know how weak i am i can't yeah. i'm not good at this and so yeah and and also the it's a the very moment you begin to think that you are listening to god all of a sudden the enemy is chiming mm -hmm. in and you yeah. and you have all you've segued from what god said to what the enemy's saying mm -hmm. and you didn't even realize you made that yeah. jump oh yeah you're it's like it's like i okay, God is, uh, he shows me grace, he gives me mercy mm -hmm. and so forth. And then it's like, yeah, but wh why, you know, mm -hmm. I'm so messed up. And, and so now he's put me in this unreal expectation and so forth. And, and God's going, where did the idea that I, yeah. that I had that expectation come mm -hmm. from? I didn't have that expectation. You, yeah. you put that, that came, you know, later. Right. It's like, so, you, cause we have this like, okay, 
Jesus loves me. He gave me a new mm-hmm. life. He's empowered me with the Holy Spirit. Okay, now I should be perfect. Yeah, and right. And it's like, it's like well, wait, okay, you made a leap there. But, um, and then and then you go back to God's word, and, and I think that's what Satan does. He uses God's word because it's, it's, it is a kind of a torture. It's like, I, I should mm-hmm. recognize that I am being stupid. Mm-hmm. I should recognize that I've been sinful. I should yeah. recognize those things. It's just that I also have to recognize that God has a way to deal with that. And I think that sometimes we answer God for ourselves. Like we ask God a question and we're like, Hey, why is this happening? And then we read his Bible and we're like, and this is what you say about this. And then we're like, so I messed up because this is what your word says. And you try to answer for God instead of let God answer for himself. Cause he mm-hmm. does that. But sometimes we let, we let our pride speak and we're like, well, this is what God says about sin. This is what God says about me. And it says that he's good. And it says that he's gracious. So I'm just being an idiot for not believing that. And it's like, right. stop. No, <laughs> let him talk to you. Let him fix. Let him redeem. Let him do that, and be okay with your thoughts. I mean, David, I'm mad at you. Ah, you know, like let that out because yeah. there's a lot that's hiding underneath that. And I think that as Christians, sometimes we're afraid to show God our true colors, but He knows. Like, yeah, it's okay. He's a big boy. He can handle it. <laughs> well, if we stay in, if we stay in darkness, that's where the enemy. Oh he, yeah, he, he maintains maintains he control over that. us. Yeah. Ooh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Enough on that. What, what do you get? Mark 13, 7 through 8. So, a little context. Um, Jesus uh, just tells the disciples that the temple is going to be destroyed. Um, and that, yeah. So, he tells them that. And then Peter and James and John and Andrew, like, went to him and they were like, hey, so when is this all going to happen? What's going on? And Jesus responds um, with this. He says in verse 7, And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are the beginning of the birth pains. And he goes on, be on guard and, and all this stuff. But usually when people talk about this, they're like, it's happening right now. Ah. Yeah. But there's something that he says. We let those details overpower what he what he says um but he says something that's super important he says do not be alarmed and i have found in the past two years of my life that usually i would be alarmed but now um that i have an understanding like a a deep understanding of who god is and a deep understanding of humans are when he says do not be do not be alarmed like i'm truly not so right. even with everything happening in Ukraine right now, and when things are happening like um, presidential elections or anything political or when things are freaking me out in my life. The economy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, gas prices. Like, that's something that yeah. should – I mean, it, it did freak me out for a second, but then it was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. Um, I know who God is. I know who people are. I know what a human is. And humans are going to fight. They're going to be sinful. They're going to mess things up. Um, because humans are sinful. That's what we have to remember. People are going to fight. This Russia and Ukraine thing, and with any nation, is bound to happen because people are sinful. So we have to rest in that. People are sinful. Right. And the second thing that we have to rest in as God's people is that God um, protects his people. He never leaves his people. He shepherds his people and makes promises to his people. Like, he will never leave us or forsake us and that vengeance belongs to him. Um, and 
it's easy to get distracted by things that are right in front of us. So when we're watching the news and we see, you know, the pipeline has been put down and now right. gas prices are going up and the economy sucks and inflation's happening and right. Ukraine's being invaded and uh, presidents are horrible and this is happening and this is happening. Or maybe it's something in your family life. Sickness is occurring. This is happening. All this stuff is easy to get distracted by. And Satan knows that. That's why he does it. It's easy for us to put our faith in physical things in our nation. It's easy to put our faith in money. It's easy to put our faith in physical health. Like all this stuff, it's so, 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 so easy to get distracted by. And he does that for a purpose so that, we, so that we're not um, paying attention to what's happening underneath all of that. There's right. so much more spiritual stuff happening inside of us and around us and the people around us. And we don't look at that. Um, but now, as these years have gone by, as I've gotten to know God, and as I've gotten to know people, I'm not alarmed anymore. Like, I was for a second with the gas prices, but then I remembered, hey, God still is holding me. This all may look scary, and I may not have $100 in my bank account, but it's okay, because he's still right here, and he's called me to be right here, and that's who he is, and he will hold me fast, and he is good. Um, in Psalm 34, there was something in it today that, um, yeah, that, that speaks to this. And let me get to it. Sorry, it was not there. It's Psalm 34, 19 through 20. Um, and Psalm 34 is such a, it's such a long psalm, but it's, it's a, I mean, it's not like super long. It's a very wordy psalm, but it's super, super good. Almost there. Psalm 34, uh, verses 19 through 20 says this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Um, he keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Hmm. Like as we're looking at life right now, cause it's scary. I'm not going to lie. Like life is scary right now. Russia and Ukraine and warfare and gas prices and physical health. It's all scary, hmm. but this is what God promises to us that there are going to be afflictions of the righteous people. Um, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Like, we focus on God going to be vengeful. Um, and maybe even to us, we believe that, but he delivers his people and we can rest in that. And so that when things like this do happen, we, we don't have to be alarmed. And there's so much comfort in that, like that I can breathe, that I can be okay because he's right there. He's my shepherd who protects and provides and leads and promises me things. And it's just a breath of fresh air. And more importantly, on Psalm 34, I mean, he's ultimately this Jesus who he's mm-hmm. referring to, and yeah. and and to remind ourselves that when we when we say that he delivers us out of our afflictions, sometimes that that is just simply that we are delivered in Christ. Jesus was delivered out of his affliction through the resurrection, and uh, I mean, he was scourged, crucified, yeah. buried. And delivered through resurrection, and he is the first fruits of that. He is the firstborn of all creation. He's the yeah. he is the so that is also how we are delivered. Is ultimately it's through the resurrection as well. Uh, and, and and I think the hard part, you know, you know, you think of like when you think of locusts. One of the things about locusts is when a swarm of locusts comes in. One of the ways they are able to cross bodies of water is thousands upon thousands upon thousands will drown, but their floating dead bodies become a land, uh, become a bridge for the ones coming after to get across. Well, nobody wants to be one of thousands of <laughs> locusts who just drown, you know, and have a short, meaningless existence or whatever. John the Baptist, his ministry was six months long. 
you know, that's it. And you think nobody wants to have a six-month ministry. You know, we want to have a much greater. Wouldn't it be Billy Graham? We want to live right. to be 100 years old. We want to have this lifelong ministry. There just aren't a lot of Billy Grahams. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot. But Billy Graham only was able to do that because of all the people right. who had laid their lives down and sacrificed in order to make that life possible. And, and God gets the glory for it. But it is it is hard to come to terms with that the the life that we are wanting, desiring, is not this one. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the one we can lay down. Yeah. I, I, it's a much easier for me to say I can get my life and lay it down and become mm-hmm. a land bridge for other locusts. Yeah. You know, right. If I know that there's something more waiting for me, and that's kind of what the apostles said to Jesus. They're like, you know, we've given up everything, and Jesus is like, well, I'm going to restore everything. You yeah. know, everything a hundredfold. You know, and so, um, but it's it's just a tough when we're in the affliction. It's a it's a it's a tough pill to swallow that this is that this life is um, seemingly difficult. Um, I have I had somebody who asked me the other day about uh, that. I think Sunday was supposed to be the last. Somebody had predicted that the end of the world was supposed to happen Sunday, which is I, I missed it. But yeah. anyway, um, but they were like, it's going to happen and it's in the Bible, you know, and. And it's funny, one, what they were, you know, that their life was just going on as normal, even though they were mm-hmm. saying they believed that it was going to end on Sunday, which is kind of odd. But uh, but the other thing is, is that, uh, you know, you get so many people who are like, this, these signs, and we've read this, and so mm-hmm. forth, and it's like, um, well, yes, the world can end at any point, or this, or Jesus can return, and it can all be done. Um, there are more signs. But the things that are happening to us, you look at like um, you look back at a hundred years ago, just a hundred years, mm-hmm. and we're talking we're two thousand years since Jesus. But if you go back a hundred years in our own nation's history, there was a pandemic, there was a world war, um, then there was an economic collapse, mm-hmm. um, and everybody suffered. These things are going to repeat themselves Absolutely. over and over again, and for one reason, because this generation we're still reaping the benefits of the pain. That previous generations went through, yep. and their repentance and revival and so forth established um, a peace that we had, that we got to enjoy a fruitful economy and so forth. Yeah. But it was because a, a group of people didn't get to enjoy that, and and it will cycle back around to where somebody's going to be left, you know, musical chairs. There's somebody's mm-hmm. going to be left standing, mm-hmm. and um, and it could be this generation, could, could be your generation, could be the next generation, but uh, more wars will be fought. More of our young people will die. Um, there will be more famines. There will be more earthquakes. There will be more uh, difficult times ahead for future generations. You can't keep it from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and on a personal level, you can't keep the difficulties in our own personal lives from happening. Mm-hmm. The The thing that you don't want to have happen is that waiting for a sunny day, your whole life is just gone. Mm-hmm. You know, waiting for a perfect opportunity. It's like we have a mission to fulfill. Stay focused on the mission and don't let the circuit. And what Jesus promises is no matter what your circumstances are, I will give you whatever you need to finish your mission. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is I need, whatever it is I'm asking you to do, I will empower you to do it. I will give you the ability to do it no matter what. Your arm falls off, I'll give you the ability. You'll, yeah. I'll, I'll help you finish one armed. Yeah. You know, if you're, the economy collapses, I'll find a way to keep you fed, keep you nourished. I'll supernaturally make you nourished if I have to yeah. in order to get you to finish this race. And uh, you just have to be focused on the prize and keep pressing toward that and not letting the things around you uh, distract you. 
and not be stupid like yeah. I said before. And that's what the, that's what the point of Psalm 34 is is yeah. that listen like verse uh, 4 and 5 it says I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look on him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Don't don't let the scariness of the world take away from God's glory. Like yeah. don't because it's so easy. But like Christians, look, behold God's glory. When you look at God, say, yep, everything else around me sucks, but yeah. you don't. And yeah. it's okay. And don't quit. Yeah, don't quit. Just endure. Don't quit. Endure. Yeah. Endure. endure. Yeah. yeah. Good word. Good word. Um, I'm looking at uh, Jesus in the garden in Mark chapter 14, 15, <laughs> 15. Yeah, uh, 15. Sorry. 14. No, I'm, I was right. 14. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and here's just something interesting because uh, it kind of connects with the uh, earlier chapter that uh, Josh was referring to. Um, let me see if I can go back and look and see what he says here. Um, where he says, signs of the ends of the age. Uh, and he begins, while you sit on the Mount of Olives across from the temple, um, they were asked, uh, tell us when these things are going to happen. And um, he uh, and he begins to, um, the the passage that, um, that, um, Josh. What's your name? Josh, thank you. <laughs> uh, that he just shared. Uh, and he says, um, he says to them uh, in verse, um, he says, Now concerning that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Which, please, write that down. Get it tattooed on your forehead or I'm something. Talking I'm talking to everybody. Oh, okay. I was like... Because, uh, that, again, <laughs> goes back to the, everybody oh, thought see, the world was going to end yeah, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hello. Jesus says we do not know. Right. It's like, and that's not going to change. That's <laughs> right. gonna, that stands eternal. <laughs> we will not know the day or the hour. We so just it. stick with that. Um, he says, watch, be alert, for you don't know when the time is coming. It is like a man on a journey who left his house, gave authority to his servants, gave each one his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to be alert. Therefore, be alert, since you don't know when the master of the house is coming whether in the evening or at midnight or at the crowing of the rooster or early in the morning. Otherwise, when he comes suddenly, he might find you sleeping. And when I say to you, when I say, what I say to you, I say to everyone, be alert. And then right in the next chapter, as, as in the gospel mark, he usually does. He gives a real life example of how this breaks down. Um, he says he took Peter in verse 33. He says he took Peter, James and John with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He mm. said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. He went a little further, fell to the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Now, before I go into the next part, just think about that. Think about, think about Jesus saying the words, if it is possible. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at God going, all things are possible for you. Yeah. It's so he's looking at his father going, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is Jesus yeah. who's saying this. Right. And so that means that in his humanity, where he has denied himself this omniscience, that he has not allowed himself to see that there is no other way, that, that this is, that he's, that he's put himself in darkness, um, with a shadow in front of him yeah. uh, to be fully the son of man. And uh, where he doesn't, again, he says, I don't know the. he says, no man knows the day nor the hour. Well, here he's saying, I don't know what's, I don't know what's getting ready to happen, but father, you do, you know, what's going to happen. And I don't know if there's another way that I, cause all I can see is what's in front of me. Yeah. 
which I mean, just think of the gravity of that. This isn't one of those, ah, Jesus knows everything, Mm -hmm. and so he knows how it's all going to turn out. No, he just said he doesn't know everything. He's denied himself that. Now, his his God part does, but he has, in, in so many ways, Jesus denied himself access to his sovereignty, denied himself access to mm-hmm. his lack, you know, to his ability to um, be, he's, I mean, he's taken on flesh and allowed himself to feel pain mm-hmm. um, and to be hurt, to be wounded, to be injured, to be killed. Um, obviously, you can't kill God, but you could kill Jesus. And so, so he's suppressed those parts of that godness to him. And uh, and so he so that adds to his grief. He literally is um, praying, God, if there's something else than what's unfolding here, please show me. Uh, but he says, but not what I will, what you will, uh, humbled himself. And so then he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, P- said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake one hour, stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation? The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. And um, and the, and here you have him right when he just said, you need to be alert because the end is coming. And here he's looking at Peter and saying, the end is coming and I need you to stay awake and hear the disciples fall asleep. And and I love how Mark will do that. We uh, He will take a story um, like the leaven of the Pharisees and, and then put it in, you know, like they thought they were talking about yeah. bread. And so forth. But he'll take something that he talked about on this big scale, like the end of time mm-hmm. and how to stay awake. And then he shows this 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 story that happened. And he's like, and we couldn't even stay awake. Yeah. Even when Jesus right. himself told us to stay awake, we fell asleep. Right. And it's like a warning. It's well, I was going to say, and like when remember when he healed the blind man, we were talking mm-hmm. about how he how the guy looked and he saw men like trees or whatever. Yeah. And then he'd go back and, and do it again. And then uh, and. He was illustrating how he was revealing himself to his disciples, but they couldn't clearly see who he was. And then he shows that sometimes, even though you've been made to see, you just don't see clearly. And uh, and in here, this is the illustration that he's saying, uh, we've been told to stay awake. And while you think it's easy to stay awake, um, difficult when difficult times come, it's really hard to remain alert. And what happened when they weren't alert? Well, they were, you know, uh, Jesus was arrested and then crucified. And uh, and that's it. So he's, he's just illustrating how important it is for us to be alert, no matter how tired we are, no matter how what the strain is. And this is this is the um, this is the crazy part about this goes back to what we were talking about before. It's like I I, I get so upset with myself mm-hmm. that I lose sight of that. And it's, and it's, and it's, but the thing that God wants, and that's, and then when we get upset, when we fail and we're down, that's where Satan steps in and says, yeah. yeah, you are a loser. And you've lost, look at all everything, everything's lost now because you fell asleep and everything's, no, God still accomplishes will and his purpose. It's not that it's going to thwart God's will if I fall asleep. Uh, there were consequences of it, but they were also restored. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah. Peter was, you know, they were given an opportunity to then, uh, to be restored even. And, um. Uh, and I like how he used uh, in Mark. Um, I don't think this is every once in a while I see things I didn't really pay attention to before. <laughs> but uh, in Mark 13, where he even said, um, whether in the evening or at midnight or at the crowing of the rooster or early in the morning, oh, and yeah. then and then he and then of course that's Peter's failure is uh, is at the crowing mm-hmm. of the rooster. Um, but um, that's uh, I just I always find it neat how Mark 
writing the gospel. Of course, and Mark, uh, the, the special part about Mark is he was a scribe for Peter, so most likely these were messages brought for mm-hmm. Peter. But Peter himself saw the yeah. the connection of um, I, uh, you know, I denied him, I abandoned mm-hmm. him completely. I not only did I fall asleep, but I completely for, had forsaken him. Yeah. And then the rooster crows to show me that that um, uh, that the warning that Jesus had given was real. Yeah. 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 My um last devotional point is from Psalm 35 and it's verse 10 and it says, with every bone in my body, I will praise him. Lord, who can compare with you? And this has been something that I have been studying for just such a long time. It feels like just a, a slow, like simmer, like this, like, I don't know. It's something that I've just been, I don't know, I guess bathing in <laughs> is the best way to describe it. Mm. Marinating <laughs> is that no one is like God. Um, mm. And I I keep talking about these two books, and I've been talking about them for like a year now, but there's this book, for those of you who are watching us, it's called Holier Than Thou by Jackie Hill Perry, and she talks about how holy, how holy God is. And then there's another book by Jen Wilkin called None Like Him. Mm. Um, and it's all about God and how he's unlike anything else, how he's holy. Um, and there just is truly no one like God. And I just wanted to read something from this book. It's, it's super short. Um, and this is, she's talking about God, Mm. obviously, but this is what it says. It says, as he is transcendent and thus different, incomparable, God's wrath is nothing like the anger we know of by experience. Wrath isn't a response to God's ego being bruised, nor is it that he's a sadist taking pleasure in our pain. It's quite the opposite. The wrath of God is the holy revulsion of God's being against that which is contradiction to his holiness. God cannot be indifferent towards sin because he is too holy, holy, holy to do so. It is true that God's justice is the great witness to his purity. For if he were to overlook the guilty, no matter how small the offense may be, he would be unjust, unholy then. And I think it's crazy how often we um, put God down on our level and we're like, man, he is going to respond just like everyone else. His ego's hurt because I sinned against him and right. he's going to get mad at me. But that, if he responded like that, he wouldn't be God. Right. He would be comparable, but he is not. He is incomprehensible. He is not able to be compared with anything else because he is holy, because he is set apart. And because of that, because he is holy, because he is set apart, we can trust him with everything. We can love him with everything. We can know that he is God because he is God and that this response, Lord, who can compare with you? We need to have that response when we look and when we when we behold God. We need to have the same response as Isaiah. I'm an un, I'm a man of unclean lips. He is unlike me. He is transcendent. He is above all. He is beyond all. He created everything. He is unlike anything else. There is there is none like him. He is holier than I am, and that's a good thing. And when we understand that, when we can rest in that then we can rest in everything that he says because he is holy, holy, holy. Um, yeah, just rest in that. Rest that he is unlike anything else. Rest, rest, rest. <laughs> that's what you need to do. Rest. Rest in his holiness. And mm. that's it. Sweet. Um, That's it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. I don't, I don't, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, when we come back, we're going to deal with some questions. So come right back with us. We are going to look at a couple of questions that we had from the reading 
Um, and uh, we, um, well, let's we'll get to it. What's the first question, Josh? The first question is coming from Mark. Again, it's Mark 13, 14, somewhere in there. I don't really remember. But it talks about this character called the Abomination of Desolation. And if I remember right, this is not the first time we've heard about this. I believe we've heard about him in the prophets before. Right. The Abomination of Desolation. What is this? Daniel specifically. Uh, well, there was a, um, the Abomination of Desolation uh, initially uh, was fulfilled uh, Antiochus uh, something. And <laughs> uh, the uh, one of the Greek leaders, they went in and sacrificed pigs on the altar for three years just to, um, to be an abomination of desolation. <laughs> um, but uh, there's, as, as in many things that are prophesied in the Old Testament, there's like a, 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 a near or a real-time fulfillment of it, and then you have kind of a greater fulfillment in the end times. Uh, that Mark picks up on and just says, here's something that's going to become a world. And Jesus is obviously sharing sharing this and so forth. Um, the um, And of course, in Revelation, uh, we have a greater uh, display of here's here's how this is going to look and so forth. Uh, it will be a leader, you know, that we that will rise up and will be one who um, who simply takes the opposite of what that which is worshipful to God that which is holy to God and desecrates everything mm-hmm. that is is holy um and uh, and the the antichrist uh, with a capital a uh is just everything is the opposite of what Jesus would proclaim um we have many antichrists i've called oprah the antichrist before i've called <laughs> oprah an antichrist before she's not the antichrist but uh, an antichrist and because antichrist an antichrist is anyone who takes uh, the things of Jesus and basically flips them into their own understanding philosophy and so forth that to where now their message is in opposition to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it could be someone who says that they represent Christ, but they're completely hypocritical in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but there will come a time when, when someone will, will come up on the earth and they will um, be this revered figure and people will worship them and believe everything that I mean. They just drink the Kool Aid. We we like to say mm-hmm. the the uh, the the cult leader of cult leaders. But yeah. this will be somebody who will sway the world, and uh, and come at a time when um, the influence of the church uh, doesn't hold sway, isn't able to overcome that. Hmm. So. Gotcha. Okay. So my next question is from the Book of Numbers. Um, last week we were introduced to a character named Balak, and then to a character named Balaam. Mm-hmm. Who are they? They're not people of God, but right. God's talking to them. And so, what's going on? Well, Balaam. Um, this, there's several events in the Old Testament um, that, that there's something that uh, is hard for us to get our heads around, and that is that these people have these oracles, the ability to interpret the future, the ability to see things, um, prophets that are outside of the nation of Israel. Um, and the reality is, is that God can speak through whoever God wants to speak through, and for whatever reason, um, and 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 all these people have a history together, uh, like Lot, for instance. The fact that that Ab- I mean, these are the children of Lot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Moab and Ammon are the um, descendants of uh, the Edomites, are descendants of Esau. Moabites and Ammonites, descendants right. of Lot. Um, so you have. You have a connection here with the people of God. Uh, the Midianites, for instance, mm-hmm. are um, of the people of God. They're, that's uh, children of um, 
um, Abraham who um, were uh, came after right. um, uh, Isaac. Um, and so, so they have a, a history together uh, of common heritage. Uh, obviously, Moses' Moses's father-in-law, was, Moses went to the land of Midian when he defected from Egypt, and, and his father-in-law Jethro was a Midianite. Um, See, so anyway, you have all these different peoples, and so they all have this common ancestry. So there's a, there's a understanding of God, um, and so they seek God out, and, and apparently God was revealing things and speaking. Yeah. And, and they had, uh, this person had become known to be a person who um whatever he said whatever he said was blessed would be blessed and 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 it became known as the, a seer you know yeah. um the um the fact that he's not an israelite really i mean doesn't really mean like i mean a lot in this context because mm-hmm. he did again he is seeking after the god of abraham yeah <clears throat> so uh and and we just have that affirmed as all we know yeah. um the bigger thing we know through greater revelation is that uh, God is using people like this uh, because um, it's how he is getting his will done, mm-hmm. that he has a f- greater purpose for Balaam. And, and so he enters into the story uh, to show that God is, God's people are special. And mm-hmm. so, uh, so he is, uh, um, so the Balak comes and hires him basically to pronounce a curse against his enemy. Balak sees that, him coming and sees the, that he had, they, these people have overrun their enemies. Yeah. And he's like, um, they have a they have power that is of a spiritual nature, mm-hmm. and so he's like, I need to find somebody who has that type of access. Uh, we see this in movies all the time, like when you would hire a wizard or a warlock right. or somebody to cast a spell right, or do right. something. And so, uh, so Balaam is basically he says, look, I I can only do what God tells me, mm-hmm. you know, and I can't go beyond that yeah. because that's all I I know what God reveals. And they're like, uh, well, we'll offer you a bunch of money. He's like, it doesn't matter how much money. Mm-hmm. The weird part of the story is, <clears throat> when you're reading through it, is, uh, and this would have been last week's reading, but when you read through it, um, he says, uh, I'm not going to go. And then God tells him to go. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, and God punishes him for going. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, wait, what's going on here? <laughs> and, and and sometimes when we're reading things out of Hebrew, it the stories don't always fall linear like right. we're doing. You have like little flashback comments that are taking place. So probably what had actually happened is he wasn't going, reconsidered and thought, I'm going to go. And then he starts going and then the donkey, mm-hmm. uh, God loosens the mouth of the donkey to speak to him to say, hey, uh, there's an angel with a sword drawn here in front of me that I can see. And then God opens his eyes and he can see the angel. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and then, apologizes to the donkey and so forth um and uh and then he doesn't go um but uh and then that's when god says um now i want you to go ahead and go because you're going to fulfill a purpose of mine well that's that's probably the same reference that you got at the beginning of the story where he said god told him to go ahead and go um so anyway that's uh sometimes that's what makes it difficult to figure out what's going on Mm Don't get too consumed in those type of details because ultimately we know that he does go and 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 what it's saying is right. It's not contradictory. It's just mm-hmm. sometimes it's the story gets told in a way that's confusing. And we do that all the time. We're telling a story and we'll tell a part and go and then we go back and right, tell a part right. of it and then we go forward and tell part of it. And so um, we don't have the writer to tell us, oh, 
clarify this, which yeah, would be Moses. Right. Um, so, so anyway, um, the um, the idea is is that he then is asked to perform a sacrifice and then hear from God, and God gives a blessing to his mm-hmm. people each time. And he's like, and then it's funny because they're like, well, let's get further away from him. Maybe maybe you're too close to him. If you get further away, you can do this. It is uh, it is God making a statement to these people. Doesn't matter how far you go. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what you do. How many sacrifices you do. You cannot alter the mind of God. Yeah. He is His will is His right. will. It is what mm-hmm. it is. And He's making this statement and uh, and making that known. It's not a story that is told to the Moabites to get them to convert. Mm-hmm. It's a story told to the Israelites to say this is how god works that mm-hmm. we do not we can't win his favor or sway his mind or change him so remember this is a story that's being told to the israelites over you know right. israelite children mm-hmm. are known this and moses is writing it down um but uh but this is something that they would be encouraged and then they go off and defect and betray and then god punishes them yeah but they are not defeated because the balak had a better prophet or a better thing no they were defeated because of their own sin while they were righteous, God preserved them. When they turned unrighteous, God... That theme is repeated over and over again all through the Old Testament. Do you see it? That, that he, In Judges, it's made clear that when God's people are faithful, God blesses them. When they are not faithful, then they are cursed. Uh, they get the same cursing that the other nations get. And uh, and even today, and we were talking about that, That's it's not... No matter what we say, no matter what news cycle we're in or what people are saying in media or whatever, everybody's like, well, I think that this is not this or whatever. Um, you know, to say that 9-11 didn't have any aspect of the judgment of God is just naive. Mm-hmm. To say that yeah. Hurricane Katrina didn't have any aspect of the judgment of God is also naive. Right. Uh, it's just uh, that God, obviously, he could have kept those things from happening, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. And allowed it to be displayed in a way that showed we probably weren't where we needed to be. Yeah. We aren't where we need to be. Right. And that's so we're we should be grateful that whatever happened wasn't much more significant mm-hmm. and impacting than it was. Uh, the idea is the, the whole point is always to drive us back to him. Uh, so if it doesn't drive us back to him, then it only is going to get worse mm-hmm. um, because he's going to do what is necessary to either show either show our complete stubbornness and insolence or to hopefully uh, that some might get saved. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Good deal. All right. Thanks for the question. Mm -hmm. All right. That's it, man. That's it for the Understanding Jesus podcast. Thank you for joining us again here. And we'll be back again next week as we continue reading through God's word together. 